Good morning and welcome to another episode of the Millennial Momentum Podcast. This is your host, Tommy Tahoe Alemo, and I am on the journey of personal development and I encourage you to join me. So I want it all. You know, I want wealth. I want to have a good career. I want strong relationships. Um, I want to be healthy. Um, I want to have good wellness. I want everything. And I believe that's achievable. And so I'm on the journey here to learn from the greats on how they're doing that right now and share that with you all. And today I have a great interview with Ryan Burke. He's the SVP of International at Envision. He is a referral from my good friend David Cancel. So he brings a lot of value today talking about um, you know, his rise through the ranks, how he adds value to customers, how he adds value to his colleagues, um, his team mantra, Better Never Stops the name of this podcast and you know I really like that one and he talks about you know how to work remote he talks about journaling um, we get into a lot of deals on on leadership as well so hope you really enjoy this one um, want to give a quick shout out to the fan of the week Ross Denise it, over at ServiceNow um, an SDR there just starting up uh, he's hungry he's getting after it appreciate you listening to the show Ross uh, hope you like this episode uh, now let's get into the episode with uh, an interview with Ryan Burke. Enjoy. Right now you're an SVP over at Envision and we're going to get to that. But when you were starting off your career and specifically starting off your sales career, is there anything that you wish you knew when you started that you could maybe pass on to someone that's starting off a career today? I mean, listen, when I graduated college, I got into finance for a couple of years. And, you know, I, I don't want to say those were wasted years of my career. I definitely kind of learned a lot. Um, um, but I also learned a lot about what I did not want to be doing. Right. And so finance, just from a personal motivation standpoint, like culturally, that just wasn't a place that I really fit. So I learned pretty quickly that I wanted to get into something a little bit more dynamic, a little bit more fast moving. Um, and align more with sort of culturally what I want to do. So I got into, into tech sales. Um, I mean, I think when I when I first started in tech sales, the probably the things that I learned that made me successful and sort of made me stand out, I learned pretty quickly that to stick out in, in sales, like you had to add value beyond just what your role was and at every step, right? And sort of internally and externally, um, I learned that I was going to make a commitment to trying to add value to every customer conversation I had and add value internally when, uh, when dealing with other stakeholder groups. I'm like, everybody knows there's a ton of salespeople out there. Sales is going to be measured based on the numbers. So to some extent, you know, I learned early that it was a lot of the things that you did sort of above and beyond that made you, made you stick out. Um, and added credibility to you as a salesperson. Yeah, like what, what's an example of like going, uh, you know, a time where you went above and beyond or an example of, of how that has, you know, could affect someone? Yeah, I mean, I would think, you know, from an external perspective, you know, I got really, uh, I got really successful in one part of my career as a salesperson where, you know, it was a data-driven business and, and, and somebody said to my boss at one point, they're like, you know what, I finally, you know, we, we got to the point where we did this big deal with, the, with this company and the, and the VP over there said to my boss at one point, he's like, Ryan would email me every Friday. It wasn't about the company at the time. It was about, you know, something completely different. It was about my, about that, their business, right? And some data point or something where it added a lot of value to them on a, you know, recurring basis where 
you know, I was just part of embedded in, uh, in, in that, you know, relationship invested in that relationship. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, you're in the middle of a deal and, you know, you're, you're trying to find any way to get it done, but rather than just saying, asking, you know, email or call and say, Hey, like, can we get another meeting? How's the deal looking? It's just adding value, like find doing your homework about the company, finding something compelling, sending it to them and potentially not asking for something in return. Is that right? Exactly. Exactly. And that why that way you're viewed as more than more than just the salesperson that's there to chase down the invoice, the sales order, whatever it is, right? And I think, you know, another example of that probably internally, um, you know, one of my roles where, where I started, you know, I I uh I joined as a salesperson and I said, um, um, you know, can I talk to the head of engineering and the head of product and the head of support? And the boss is kind of like, what? Um and, you know, I reached out to those folks and, you know, and it's not every day that those folks are interacting with salespeople at some of these companies. And I think it really, you know, established a level of credibility that I was very interested in how their worlds worked and how the work that they did translated externally to the customer. And so, you know, I sort of built up a little bit of a relationship with these folks that were sort of outside of the core touch points that I would typically have in my sales role. And like that, that stuck with me throughout my career um, at the, at this company. And that was something that sort of stuck with me uh, moving forward was like, it's worth investing in those relationships outside of maybe just the sales and sort of marketing, uh, you know, environment and understanding all of the other folks that are touching those customers, all those other people that are building the products, you know, they love talking to salespeople, right? They love understanding, you know, what, what we're seeing or kind of what we think about the marketplace or what we think the customer wants. Um, so I think investing internally in some of those relationships is another, is another example of where you can sort of go above and beyond and ultimately add value outside of just delivering on the numbers. Yeah, no, that's, that's a cool idea. Um, and the internal sale is something, that, you know, the longer you're in sales, you realize that the internal, you know, selling or internal relationships are just as or more than uh, as important than, you know, the external, because you need so many different resources a lot of times to help you with get to the ultimate goal that you need to get to. Exactly. So, so you manage uh, how many people now at Envision? Uh, we've got a customer facing team over here, international. There's about 30 people on the customer facing team. You know, we talked a little bit about, you know, if you're early on in your career or really anytime, how you can be more uh, of an A player and add more value. But like, what, what mistakes do you see? reps make consistently that just drives you crazy? Yeah. I mean, there's probably a few things. I think that one thing that I see is sort of a mistake, especially, you know, I think back sort of earlier in my career is there's a lot of missed opportunities. I feel like out there with reps to sort of suck up as much as you can from the company. Right. And what I mean by that is there's, there's just so many opportunities to sort of improve yourself, whether it's, free training on some particular product or an education stipend, you know, like use that stuff. Right. And, you know, uh, I do feel like sometimes reps get too hung up in, in, you know, the day to day mechanics of the role that sometimes they miss the opportunity to suck up as much sort of free education as you can at these companies, right. That, that, that your company offers. Right. And so, um, you know, we've got a mantra with my team right now, sort of like better never stops, right? Like pick one thing every day and just get better at it, right? And suck up some some knowledge from somebody, suck up some knowledge 
um, from a customer, but as a rep, like I would never, um, you know, I, I would always want them to invest in using the the resources that are out there. I think the other thing that I'm seeing a little bit of is um, sometimes reps make the mistake of you know, not being able to adapt, right? And if you're at a startup, you're at a fast growing company, for instance, like things are going to change. The market's going to change. The product's going to evolve. The, you know, the sales motion is going to change. And A players adapt, right? And somebody that maybe was successful or an A player under one definition may not be an A player as the company evolves or the sales motion changes, right? So I've seen some folks or seen some examples where people maybe don't adapt as things change. And ultimately, you know, that's, that's, that's what, uh, that's what ultimately makes them, you know, a B player, right. Or whatever it may be. Um, so understanding your environment around you, how things are changing and adapting that and not just, you know, sitting on or, or relying on what maybe worked for you historically. Yeah. And I, th- I think both of those point to uh, a similar path about, you know, the mindset. And I think that, you know, to your first point, it better never stops. I love that mantra. And, you talked about you know free training or or different things that you can do like or maybe you can even invest in yourself and like you can pay seven dollars on Amazon to get a book or you can listen to a podcast or whatever it is to better yourself not just about right. like the process of sales although that's important you know the the questions you ask and the process but like just the mindset of like someone that is being successful and read a biography of a great entrepreneur or a Navy SEAL or something that you just like gets you in a place where, you know, you think that you can take on anything. And I think that's super important. Yeah. And I, and I would actually bleed that a little bit into your original question around like what, you know, what would I have done differently or what would I have learned if I was my 25 year old self, you know, coming up in sales again, like another aspect of that is like mentors. You know, I wish I had invested more earlier in my career in building a, you know, network of mentors or isolating a couple, a couple key mentors. Like, I mentor people, you know, now and, you know, it's very rewarding and, you know, I'm invested in their careers and I think back about, um, you know, what I could have done and I've had some great mentors uh, over my career, but I think people sometimes undervalue or underestimate the the importance of those early on in your career because they'll stick with you, right? And it's almost like, you know, uh, to some extent, it's almost like a sports agent, right? Like if you get the right mentor earlier on, like they're going to be invested in your career, you know, moving forward and helping you network into new opportunities, being a sounding board. So I think it's in people's interest earlier on in their career to identify people they want to build relationships with and, you know, really invest in, you know, trying to find, trying those, find those mentors. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I'd be curious on your take on, you know, again, the 25 year old that doesn't have a mentor or doesn't have a, you know, a model to look up to, like, how would you, what would be the first step that you take to, to find out you know, who's the best fit and then try to get them to mentor you and you can learn from them? Yeah. I mean, I think when, it, when you speak about the best fit, like back to, you know, the 25 year old, you know, one of the things that I feel like people need to do a better job of early in the career is like, forget the role, forget the title, forget the comp. Like have a have a more global view of the criteria that you want in your career, right? Like the comp, I mean, the, the title, the paycheck, that shit will take care of itself if you're successful, right? So having a little bit of a more holistic view of how you're thinking about your career and the opportunities, looking at products and companies and the people and the market, you know, those are the types of criteria that I 
feel like people need to do a better job of like earlier in their career isolating those. And that'll help you think about some of the mentors that you want to that you want to go out and approach, right? If there are companies that you that you sort of see as the type of company you would want to be working with or the market, people in the market that you think is a really exciting market. Um, and then and then reaching out to, to folks, like isolating those companies, isolating those people um, and reaching out to them, right? And you've, you've got to make it somewhat non-invasive. You've got to be completely transparent. Like nobody has time, right? And so I want to, you know, meet you for a cup of coffee to, to pick your brain. Like nobody's going to respond to that. Right. But if you want to meet someone to uh, meet somebody for a cup of coffee, you are going to go to them. Right. You are going to go to their office. I'd like to come to your office and have a cup of coffee with you because I know that you're doing X, Y and Z. You've established some credibility that you're interested in what they're doing. You think they have a really you know, interesting perspective on something that you're interested in. You're interested in it because of you know, X, Y or Z, you know, make it a little bit personal and then make the ask fairly reasonable. I just want to come by your office, spend 15, 20 minutes, buy a cup of coffee and talk to you about how you've done these things successfully because it's really interesting to me at this part of my career. And it's something that I want to uh, I want to uh, evolve to be. Yeah, I think that's, that's huge. I remember coming out of college and I thought, you know, I knew somewhat that like, you know, mentors are important. I knew that as a fact, someone told me. So I would, you know, reach out to people and say, you know, hey, like, yeah, can we go get coffee or something? No one ever responded. And now that, you know, I've evolved a little bit in, you know, my sales career and, uh, you know, having the podcast and things like that, like, it's so, it's so much clearer to me that it's, it's just another sale and everything is kind of a sale, but it's just like, all right, you reach out, you provide value, you know, like you're going to bring them coffee and, you know, maybe they're going to feel good about helping out. But if, if they don't respond, you can follow up and just like, again, like, Maybe send them something that if you're doing the first part where we talked about, you're reading a book or reading articles or something like, hey, I just read this book, thought it might be up your alley. You might want to check it out. And that's it. And you just like keep adding value until you become more compelling to them. It's just it's just all sales all over again. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. On the on the flip side or or to to kind of continue on the path of your leadership at, at Envision. Something I'm really curious about is is the remote lifestyle. I know we talked about this a little bit, but so everyone, I th- correct me if I'm wrong, but everyone at Envision is remote. I think. Yeah. Um, yep. And I'm I, I'm curious to hear how, just generally, like how is that? Like what what's the culture like? Yeah, it's interesting, and you know, talked a lot about this. But um, when I started, there were about 30 people in the company. Now we're over 500. Right. And, you know, I managed a team in the U.S. that got up to about 100 people across, you know, sales and CS and then moved over to London to run international. And uh, there's people all over the place. Right. And it's uh, it's not always easy. Right. And I think that you got to go into it a little bit like understanding that there are going to be some complexities to it. There are going to be some real frustrations. I mean, personally, right now I work across three different time zones. Right. And so I'm all over the place. And, you know, to some extent, I need to schedule everything. Right. I need to schedule if and when I go to the gym, you know, schedule stuff with my kiddos or dinner or whatever it is, downtime for learning. Like you really got to get discipline around managing your own day. Right. Um, so that's one thing that I think is important um, with remote. I think another thing, like with remote, you know, one of the things that we learn at Envision is, you know, you really have to overinvest in in things like the onboarding, 
right? It can be really nerve wracking for somebody to be coming on board and, and uh, you know, sitting by themselves at home or whatever and not knowing what to do, who to call. Like, so we schedule out our onboarding for the first three weeks, like almost by the hour, right? And so you got to over invest in, in some of those things. And then ultimately, you know, ultimately it's really the culture where you've got to spend the most time in the fact that, you know, people can collaborate and are pretty well connected through technology these days. Um, but culture is the one thing, right? Culture is the one thing where it's a little bit harder um, to keep people when they're all over the world sort of, you know, aligned and invested and, you know, sort of working within the right, you know, the right behavioral norms that you want, right? Um, so that that that's something that we try to double down on, right? And it's also, it's very easy to build culture within a team, but you have to be very sensitive to not build a culture that might be at odds with what the overall company culture is. So how do you, how do you maintain that, that culture on the team when they're all spread out? Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing is, um, I think getting everybody aligned with sort of the shared vision, right? And everybody getting aligned with, with the opportunity, Right. And I think if you get people sort of aligned and thinking about this, this opportunity and rallied around it, then you can start to get people into the mindset of, you know, prioritizing, you know, the company first, maybe their team second and their own personal goals third. Right. And, you know, that's the way we, we try to drive decisions here internally. That's the way we try to get people to um, to, to treat each other as well. And there's obviously going to be things with personal goals that you're going to, you're going to have to optimize to, but you know, a little bit of that feeling of that shared culture, that shared vision that will drive trust, right. And trust is really something that underlies everything in the remote culture, right? Because you can't see people, you don't know what they're doing every day. Right. And so you've really got to focus on establishing and building that trust early and, you know, empowering that because that's such a critical component of everything. And so, um, you know, I think the shared vision is probably the biggest thing. And then there's certain little perks and, you know, we do 500 bucks for people to set up their home office or, you know, we had unlimited Starbucks cards and we got all these little things to make sure you know, from kind of a work-life balance standpoint, people are really, you know, well-equipped. Um, and that shows in that shows in the work, that shows in our employee satisfaction. Our employee satisfaction, you know, our Glassdoor reviews and stuff, it's, it's through the roof. People like, are oh, we just did a survey internally in, in uh, our engagement scores and, you know, how many people would recommend working in Vision? We're like through the roof, like top, top percentiles. Um, and that's not all because, just because remote and people are working from wherever. Um, I did work on the beach the last two summers with my family, which was nice, but it's about, it's about also being with a company they believe in with a great product in a very exciting and fast moving market. And then the emphasis on the work life balance that is, that is sort of, um, you know, a, uh, a part of that remote culture. Do you notice the reps on the team compared to your past experience, like either more or less competitive with each other? Because I'm just trying to envision like, you know, where I work, you know, we're all our, our sales team, we're all in the same row. It's kind of like an open seating and there's, you know, like 10 of us. And I'm, I'm trying to picture us now all, you know, working, working from home or wherever. And I feel like things might get like, I like to be competitive in a fun way, like not like cutthroat or anything, but 
I feel like it might get less competitive because you're not seeing each other, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Yep. That's a good point. Um, I think on one hand, obviously you can't hide from the numbers, right? So we can share the numbers and everybody sees those and it will still drive a little bit of competitiveness. Um, uh, it's interesting. The one thing that I feel like we're finding a little bit in the fact that uh, we're a little bit of a different sales motion. We're selling into the design world, which is a little bit of a different sort of enterprise play. We've got this remote aspect. Um, you know, we're, we're finding that we, we need to, we need to really understand, you know, from a leadership perspective, we need to really understand the motivations personally for each one of our reps, because to some of them, it's not going to be the competition of being number one for some of our reps. It's not even money, right? Which seems a little bit, you know, ironic given they're in a sales role, but it's more about, you know, helping create a category, which is ultimately what we're trying to do at Envision and being part of this exciting opportunity and like the career, the, the, the career defining moment that this could be. But for other people, it is number one. And for other people, it's making a ton of money so they can buy a house, right? So I feel like one of the things that we're learning here is how do we build in people's personal motivations into how we manage them, measure them, and manage the overall team. And I think that's really important because salespeople, I think some people just inherently think, ah, everybody wants to come in and just make a million bucks. Well, that's not always the case. And you really got to uncover that if you want to be an effective manager and build an effective team culture. I'm curious, um, what is a new habit that you've either picked up or dropped uh, in the last, I don't know, three or six months that's, that's been pretty uh, important or groundbreaking for you? Interesting. I would say, you know, this isn't, this isn't like groundbreaking, but for me personally, it was like, I got into the habit. I bought one of these, uh, I'm looking at it right now. One of these cheesy little five minute journals. Um, and, you know, actually breaking out a, a real pen and, and writing in it. Um, but just using that time in the morning to actually outline what I'm grateful for and what would make the day great. And then sort of looking back on that at the end of the day. So that's been, kind of new for me and uh it's been it's been pretty eye-opening right and i did it actually this morning um with my kids actually and i just said hey what are we what are we grateful for today right and i thought that was a uh um that's been pretty pretty rewarding for me personally that's that's awesome yeah i i've been on and off of of the journaling but just the the thought of like having gratitude in the morning and like kind of lining out and, and actually putting pen to paper on like this is what I want to get done today. And if I get these three things done, like it's a good day versus like my mind goes to like, I need to get 7,500 things done because I'm just crazy like that. Any, any books or resources or, you know, videos, anything that you'd recommend to someone that is growing through, you know, their sales life? Yeah. I mean, I'm from a book standpoint, like we've got a book club at work. Um, and, you know, we're actually now reading uh, Radical Candor, which, you know, I've watched the TED Talk and, you know, listen, listen to the podcast. Uh, but, you know, now spending some time to go over and actually read the entire book. I think that's a really just it's a great just framework in terms of how you communicate. So I think that was that was interesting. Uh, there's another book that my boss brought on when he came on board that I think changed the dynamic of the leadership team a little bit relative to kind of change management. Uh, what was it called? ADCAR. It's a uh, it's a change management framework, but really the key point that it boils down to is, you know, when you're in leadership, like it is so important to focus on the why when you're making decisions, 
right? And that's a discipline that I think we've internalized very well here in Vision is before we roll something out to our team or before we make a change in process, like really nailing the why, because nobody's going to adhere to it. Nobody's going to buy into it unless they really understand the motivation behind it. And that's something that I feel like is the responsibility of the leaders to fully understand, align with, believe in before you can make any decision or push anything out um, to the rest of the team. So that's one thing that I think is uh, um, been pretty uh, groundbreaking for us as a team. That's cool. Yeah, I, I have not read either of them, but that's the second one was ad car, like ADD car. A-D-K-A-R. It's a it's an acronym, and I actually don't remember exactly what the uh, uh, what it all stands for. Uh, but it's all around change management. That's awesome. I got that got that written down. So, what uh, what is one thing that's holding you back from the next level of Ryan Burke? Uh, oof, look at you. That's a tough question for a Friday afternoon. <laughs> I know. I ask that to everyone. I, I I usually get some pretty good answers. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I'm a little obviously later in my career, and so sometimes you know I don't eat my own dog food in terms of um you know, learning new things and trying to implement new, you know, new strategies um, as much as I probably could. Like I have a little bit of a playbook, right? And that playbook has, you know, been pretty successful and gotten me to where I am. Um, but I need to commit to evolving as well, right? And there's definitely things I could be doing from an all overall uh, leadership perspective to, I think, get myself to the next level. And the next level in terms of, you know, working at a bigger organization and Vision's kind of going through this hyper growth period where, you know, shoot, I started when it was 30 people and a couple of years from now, who knows where this is going to be, right? And that, for me to, for me to kind of evolve with it, like, I'm going to have to make some, make some changes, right? And sort of recognizing that there's a lot of change happening around me and figuring out how personally that relates to where I need to, need to improve. So that's something I'm, trying to focus on and trying to, you know, get some internal perspectives on, um, and really, uh, really put some time to, uh, to, to think about how to improve. Love it. That's awesome. And sorry to put you on the spot there, but that was a good answer. Um, yeah, it's kind of, kind of a BS answer, <laughs> but yeah, it's, that's all I get yeah. for Friday. Um, all right. So a, a lighter question here. Um, and one of the last ones, is there someone that you, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this, but someone that's a celebrity that you look up to or that, you know, helps to inspire you. Like for example, like if I, if I'm feeling shitty and I go on Instagram and I see the rock, like lifting 10,000 pounds, like that kind of fires me up. Um, is there anyone that you look up to like is on social media or anything that, that, uh, or celebrity that, that you look up to at all? I mean, this is going to sound sort of, uh, a little cheesy, but I look at somebody like a Tom Brady. I'm obviously oh, yeah. a Patriots fan, and to and, and to me, it's less about like, yeah, he's the greatest quarterback of all time, no question. Um, it's less about the performance on the field, and I think it's more about the way he continues to approach. Like, I don't know, he just he's he's always saying the right things, or he's never getting in these spats when people are attacking his character, like. He just stays above the fray, right? And he just has this positive outlook. And I kind of respect that about him. I'm like, I always look at him like as a super difficult situation, Spygate, losing the Super Bowl, whatever nonsense is out there. Um, I don't know. He just he always seems to have like a pretty good 
sort of life approach. He'll throw an Instagram up with a picture of him and his kids. And that sort of grounds him back to what's important. Right. And like that to me is, is, uh, is pretty inspiring. Did you see the Tom versus time? I haven't seen it yet. I haven't Ooh, seen it yet. I know. I know. I know. The thing is, after they lost the Super Bowl, like I'm so sensitive to anything Patriots. Like I just can't even like read about the Patriots. I can't think about the Patriots right now. Like I got to get healed fully before I can get back into the mindset of like actually exposing myself to Patriots. All right. Respect. Respect. Well, the season will, will be coming before you know it. And maybe in the summertime, you can check it out. It's the last episode is post Super Bowl pretty heavy, but the other ones, they're. They're good. I've heard. I've heard they're really good. Um, all right, cool, man. So um, last thing for you, you know, any final words for the audience? And, you know, where can we find you and where can we find Envision? Um, and what's anything else that's popping off for you right now? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So, you know, Envision, it's a rocket ship, right? You know, we've gone from 30 to 500 plus people, $240 million raised. We're working with 80% of the Fortune 100. And it's one of those things where, you know, we're hiring a ton, fully remote. Uh, so if you know folks, you know, envisionapp.com is is where to find us. At Ryan S. Burke is my, is my Twitter handle. I'm happy to talk to anybody. Um, and the one thing that kind of sticks with me is I'm having conversations with folks right now about joining Envision and trying to figure out who the right people are. Like, I always, I love the Sheryl Sandberg quote that she gave a while back, which was, you know, if uh, if you have a chance to get a seat on a rocket ship, like don't ask where you're sitting, right? And it's one of those things where everybody I'm talking to now, a little bit about a vision is like, get on board. You know, I'm promoting somebody right now after three months. We promoted somebody else after six months. There's so many opportunities at companies like ours and other great companies out there. And I was, you know, there's a ton of great companies out there. But think about the think about the career opportunity more than the role, and get a seat on a rocket ship where you can. That's it, and then you get to work with with Ryan Burke. That's a that's another perk. Exactly, exactly. We need some folks in Australia. If anybody knows anybody, that's that's the big need for Ryan. Burke All right. right well, now. my my Sydney friends, give this guy some love. Follow him on Twitter. Look up uh, look up Envision online uh, and and connect with Ryan there too. Thanks for listening to that interview, guys. Want to give you my quick three takeaways from that one. Uh, number one, A players adapt. Um, you know, if you cannot o- adapt and overcome to situations, you're not going to make it as an A player if you're in sales or anything else. So always adapt and overcome. Number two, better never stops. You can always get better. 1% every single day. That's what we say around here on Millennial Momentum. So keep pushing it. Keep trying to get a little bit better. Um And the number three thing is leveraging mentors, right? So make the ask simple. Everything in life is a sale. So, you know, just reach out to that person and keep adding value to them. Make it a simple ask, um, a question you have. It doesn't always have to be a a 30-minute coffee. Uh, Just try to engage in a conversation with them. So hope you like this interview with Ryan Burke. we got more coming to you next week. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Please feel free to rate, review, subscribe all of the above, share with a friend. Have a great day. Out.